0: Friends, welcome to our first ever show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton. This is the Todd Cast. On our first ever episode, we have husband, father, author, self-proclaimed weird guy, but I can vouch that it's weird in a good way. He's the director of Disciple of City. Let's give a big round of applause for Adam Shepsky.
1: <laughs> it's good to be
0: here, Tom Carlson. Thanks for coming, Adam. Welcome to the show.
1: Man, it's a joy.
0: <laughs> so, Adam, we uh, want to get together today and, and sort of set the tone for this Disciple City podcast mm. for everybody and where we want to go with it. Um, but before we jump into that, man, I'd just like to dig into a little background of exactly who you are. <laughs> How does that sound? Terrifying. Uh yeah. Let's yep. Let's dig in. So <laughs> Bro, tell me, when you were little, like how did you grow up? Like did you grow up in the church when you were like in grade school type of thing? Uh no. <clears throat>
1: um, no.
0: So my parents
1: took me to church when I was really little, and I can still remember the Like the time when my mom, we were sitting in church and then it was, it was like a a Sunday morning and and she just asked, Hey, like do you and your bro, like, um, so brother to, to one other brother, who's an amazing guy. And so my mom just asked the both of us, do you guys want to continue to go into church and Sunday school? Or do you want to like stay home Sunday mornings and, and play video games? And we're like video games. We're totally like, like a chill Sunday morning. Sounds amazing. So um, at that point, I, I forget what age I was, but stopped going to church as a family. Like, um, we didn't really go regularly, but it it definitely gave me some form of base understanding that there was a God. Um, didn't know anything about Jesus, but just that, that there was a God who existed. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of how I was raised as a young boy. Right. Yeah. So...
0: At nineteen you came to faith? Yes, just about nineteen. So what so you had that sort of foundation, but it it obviously wasn't real to you. What sort of where was your life going yeah. and what led up to you yeah. coming to faith?
1: Yeah, great great question. So I um Basically, when I was a teenager, I just was so hungry for purpose and had no idea that I was actually hungry, hungry for purpose. Right. Like it was just I remember, you know, when I would be alone, I was just like, I know there's some reason or purpose to my life, but I have no idea what that is. And I had no idea where to find that. So. Through um, just different high school experiences, I just basically I started hanging out with a ma- like good friends. Right. But we just started experimenting with the party scene. So first it was like I worked at a Tim Hortons and I also had access to like, yep, Todd loves Tim, Tim
0: Hortons, man. I didn't know that about you. Yeah.
1: So I um, man, I like you more now, bro. <laughs> so actually, I, I worked there long enough that I almost got the leather jacket. So, so that was way back. Like I was actually the first male staff at a Tim Hortons in Listowel, Ontario. Right. So first male staff on the counter serving. Like one time I was working there and a lady actually screamed because she was like, oh, a guy. (laughs) I was like, yep. First guy working here serving coffee. So I've always been a bit of a, I don't know, outside of the box fella. (laughs) if that qualifies for anything, but had all this access to older people who like started buying, like I was just, they were like, yeah, we'll buy you alcohol. Like you give me the money and I'll go pick you up a 40 of whatever. And you guys, you and your friends can go party. So, um, that's what we did. We started partying, um, sort of going to, um, different like bush parties, all that kind of stuff, like rural Ontario. Right. And, um, drinking and soon that led to, to drugs. And so we just started Smoking pot, we became kind of like the pot dealers of our high school, and just um, all through all that, that through all of that, that, <clears throat> all of that um, spent more time drunk and high than I did sober. So by the time I was eighteen, I was um, starting to fail high school, and um, my life was actually starting to crumble. And I was one of those young guys who. At first, had chosen drugs and chosen the party lifestyle, and then it chose me. So the, this whole time, I knew there was some kind of purpose to my life, but didn't really know what it was. And so um, I was just kind of dying on the inside, like really, like starting to wrestle with depression. And then soon, shortly after that, I was as I was struggling with drug abuse and um, and and the party scene. I actually became depressed to the point where I was starting to become suicidal and starting to plan out taking my own life. And at the heart of it, it was just like, I didn't know why I was here and didn't know why I was on this earth and just had this longing to figure it out, but no way forward. And so, um, through that whole piece, I remember, um, having some friends who are actually Christians who started sharing Jesus with me at my high school. And so I'd be sitting there in like class high and they'd be telling me about Jesus. And I was like, Oh, this kind of like makes sense. Right. And so all that was like all of these kind of pieces were moving and to the point where um I didn't know it at the time, but there was actually this whole like youth for Christ group who were praying for me every week so it's all a bunch of christians that i knew but i not i didn't even know that a bunch of them were christians because um by and large christians just weren't sharing their faith right so they but they were praying for me right so um and i just didn't know that so a friend of mine actually invited me out for coffee we sat down at a tim horton's and uh todd is shaking his fist yes triumph right now um So sat down at a Tim Hortons and he just told me three things this one night. He just told me that a God loves you b God has like a plan for your life. And at that one, he told me that I was like, oh my goodness, i never heard that God might actually have a plan for me. And then the third thing he told me is like, um, like you can't just be idle or passive about this. Like he actually took me to revelations three and he just said like, you can't be lukewarm in your pursuit of God. Like You actually have to give him your life. He actually is inviting you to respond to him and give him the entirety of who you are. You can't just believe in him because I was like, yeah, I believe in God. And he's like, yeah, you can't just believe in him. You actually have to give your life to him and actually yield to Jesus and receive the gospel. And if you don't, you'll actually spend eternity apart from him in hell. And I was like, I'd never heard like this was like brand new information to me. Right. So I I go home that night and I'm like, Oh God, like if you're, if this is really real, like I need to, I need to do something about this. Like, I don't know, speak to me or something. Right. Right. And so a week later, um, I ended up just hitting a rock bottom, had a huge fallout with my family and was just so broken on the inside. I actually woke up this one morning and, um, you know, parents were at work, brothers at school. Um, I didn't go to school that day and I actually ended up at the cupboard ready to just down a bunch of pills and just end my life. And so I'm, I'm sitting there like holding the bottle and going, it's either this and I just, end all the pain, um, and like when I say pain, like I was really stuck. Like it wasn't just like a, a pass, like it wasn't um, just a fleeting thing. I was really stuck. And, and, um, sometimes I, I'm, you know, God is transforming now that sometimes that, that whole situation feels so distant from me now because it was so many years ago. And what God I've seen the Lord do since has been so remarkable. But, um, you, just to help paint it a bit. Like I remember my mom saying to me, Adam, if you don't figure this out, you're probably going to end up in a psych ward because I was just stuck in darkness and confusion and drug abuse. And, um, yeah, so it's just, uh, just a mess. And so, uh, holding those pills, I was like, it's either these, or I try this Jesus thing. So I called up my friend. Um, we went back to that Tim Hortons that night and I was like, okay, you told me I'm, I'm going to try this Jesus thing. And I, I, that night decided, okay, I am now following Jesus. And, uh, what was funny, he's like, well, man, let me pray for you. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. You don't even, <laughs> you don't have to pray for me at all. Um, but I'm coming to church on Sunday. He was like, okay, I'll pick you up. So that marked me coming back into church. And that whole thing was, you know, really quick was, um, started attending church Sunday mornings and all of a sudden started experiencing the Holy Spirit and he would just started to convict me not just of my sin but of my value right and so slowly I, I realized that I had to give up my old life and actually lay that all down and then I ended up at this youth retreat where I had this moment where I I saw who he who Jesus really was and what he would paid for on the cross and in that moment I was like I I just said yes and and then the Holy spirit came and I, I realized Jesus had paid for my sin and his blood had washed me clean. And, and the spirit came and just set me free. I actually like had a like an encounter with God and my drug abuse, my addiction to drugs left mm-hmm. and my depression. I was delivered of depression and, and suicidal thoughts. And I was just completely brand new. And I, I remember coming home that from that youth retreat and my parents were like, Hey, like how, how was that? Like Jesus thing you did. And I was like, I think I met God, uh, <laughs> and That's they were so like, good. right? So, uh, yeah. So there's a
0: longish story of, of, yeah. That's good though. That's so key. So when you went to that Tim's with your friend mm. and decided that you were going to give yeah. your life to Christ, mm. what was the time period between that and the camp and like, did, was there s- sort of a process? Did, were you still drinking a little bit until you had that encounter or? Yeah,
1: actually. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, so not drinking as much, but still doing a lot of drugs.
1: Um, yeah. So it was about a two month process. So, um, so yeah, I would like, so I going to church now every Sunday and on Saturday nights, I would actually still be out partying. Right. So like I would come home two, three in the morning, drunk high, and, um, and then just be like, Oh no, I got to go to church tomorrow. might surprise you, but I can strangely relate to that. I know you can. (laughs) And so wild, right? Because so I would open this little New Testament Bible. I didn't even know there was an Old Testament at the time. And um, open up this New Testament Bible and just read wherever I opened. And in those moments, I remember just like slowly hearing and kind of growing accustomed to God's presence as I read the Bible. And I just remember knowing that I was living below what he had called me to be. Right. And that was like the conviction piece So that process. It was like I was slowly it's like that old hymn where it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow, grow strangely dim in the light of his his glory and his like his face and um, and his grace. And so it's like I was starting to see him and in seeing him, I was seeing the purpose of my life. And then so then that encounter I had was like, I was like, OK, I know him and trust him that this is actually true. And so that, that process was, yeah, about two months in terms of when I finally encountered and actually gave my life and was like, I'm fully in, um, shortly after that I got baptized and yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Mm. So now when did you meet Melissa? Like after that? Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about that, about, so now you've come to faith, you've (laughs) had these experiences, you got baptized, just give me a, yeah yeah. you know, then you met Melissa and got married, like. Yeah, so
1: I uh, was attending a church. I remember um, shortly after that, I met Melissa's mom and dad. So was ran into Ruth, my mother in law, at church. A fun story, and I hadn't met Melissa yet. She was actually in Scotland on like a missions trip. She'd been there for about nine months, and my who I now call Mama Ruth. I just see her and I'm like, hey, like, how are you doing today? And so we we started having some just like a quick chat, um, in the foyer of our church. And, uh, she's like, Oh, I can't wait till you meet my daughter. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, and she's like, yeah, she's in Scotland on a mission trip. You two are going to get along really well. And she knew she was like, this is the guy for my daughter. She just had a sense from God that this guy was going to marry, um, her daughter. And sure enough, when she came back from Scotland, um, I actually first, yeah. So we ended up connecting, All of our friends took off to post-secondary. So we started hanging out all the time because we were like the only two people our age, like 19, um, at our church. So we were just like, well, let's like lead worship together, hang out, talk about Jesus together. And then shortly after that, I was like, I kind of like her. So uh, amen. Amen. Right? Because she's amazing. Um, Yeah. So within we, we met and were engaged and married all within a year. And so just fast and amazing. And so got married. Um, Now it's been, yeah, like at this point, 17, 17 and a half years of marriage.
0: Wild. That's awesome. Yeah. So can you tell me about Youth for Christ? How, when did you get into Youth for Christ or when you got married, were you working a regular job or what was the transition into ministry? Yeah.
1: So I, uh, when I asked melissa to marry me i worked as a petroleum distribution engineer a gas jockey right so um i was making like 14 bucks an hour and uh, i was like i need a better job if i'm gonna marry a girl so i uh, went and worked at this warehouse i'm um, shipping like automotive and industrial supplies all over ontario so I was a good paying job and all the whole time melissa and i were volunteering at a youth for christ like center in listwell ontario and and then after um a bit of working there and about a year being married, we just, this opportunity came about to work in Wingham, Ontario with Youth for Christ. So um, we prayed about it. And then long story short, ended up feeling like, yes, we're meant to move to Wingham and work with Youth for Christ. The whole time, Melissa had been volunteering for Youth for Christ since she was about 14. So she's had a lot like heaps and heaps of exposure to the beautiful work of Youth for Christ. And then um, I, you know, again, the people who are telling me about Jesus at high school were all students who'd been equipped by youth for Christ missionary and how to share their faith and pray for people. And so youth for Christ actually played a significant role in me coming to Jesus. So then working for them and becoming a staff and a missionary of them was just like such a beautiful fit. And uh, so we worked, yeah, worked there for with youth for Christ for 15 years in local, national and international teams, just to encourage youth missionaries all over the world.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome stuff. Um can you tell me a little bit about the positions that you held, like the couple of positions that you held within Youth for Christ up until the time when we met?
1: Yeah. So um, so I worked, both Melissa and I directed a youth center in Wingham, Ontario. I mean, we volunteered in Listowel and helped run a youth center there, and um, that was really neat. And so we had lots of experience from those volunteer days into um, being staff, running a youth center, and a bunch of community programs in Wingham, Ontario. So uh, we used to run, like I used to run a group called Guts Group which uh, was just like me and a bunch of like volunteers and young guys just doing really ridiculous things and just having a blast and sharing Jesus. And those years were really formative um, because I realized that what <clears throat> well, I realized the power of prayer, which kind of led me into my like led me into the next appointment with you for Christ, which um, Melissa and I for the first five years, maybe six years of our ministry, we never asked people for money. We just had a conviction like most missionaries um, will ask and raise support. And for the, yeah, probably the first six years, we just felt a conviction to never ask. We asked like three people and they all said no, like to support us. And so we just believed and trusted God and he just met our needs. Like there, we have these beautiful stories and still like a vehicles being given to us or not having enough money for groceries and also we check our mailbox and there's a check in there and we could buy groceries um like just wild stories of mm. um really really precious things times when we couldn't afford christmas gifts for our kids and then someone would show up like one night it was just a couple nights before christmas eve and also this random guy showed up at our place with baskets full of gifts right like and we just i remember just god was was building something in us to believe that we could live by faith, right? And then that changed later on. Um, and it was this cool thing where the Lord just put it on our hearts to change the way we did ministry and funding and all that kind of stuff. But that's another story. But through all of those experiences, learning that God was moved by faith and you could live by faith, we just started being like, hey, if we can pray for miracles, like let's really go after this gospel thing. And we started to realize that as we prayed more, we'd see God do more. And um, so eventually I became the um, prayer coordinator for Youth for Christ Canada. And um, through, you know, a whole bunch of different things involving a trip to Africa at a Youth for Christ General Assembly, so missionaries from all over the world just saw the way different believers from persecuted nations and all, you know, these these giants in the faith, how they prayed. We were like, we need this in Canada. So um, myself and a team, we actually created a whole prayer team and structure for you for christ but just still like kind of impacting it today so that involved things like staff care and um, resiliency and um, intercession and spiritual gifts and just exploring how basically with this one heart which which was like if what we pray for has power but if but where we pray for i'm sorry let me say it again what we pray for is important, but where we pray from um, gave gave it power, right? So we understood like identity in Christ and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, uh, all that, It was beautiful. So I worked nationally as a prayer coordinator, um, developing prayer strategies for Canada. And then that eventually led to me doing that very same thing on an international level with You for Christ. Um, So I traveled the world to different nations and just helped um, equip and inspire people in how to develop a prayer culture in their ministries uh, right around the world. And that's where you and I met. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then things got
0: Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly did. Right? So um, let's talk about that a little bit. So we got introduced by a mutual friend. Cameron. Cameron Smith. Nice enough guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. Not mediocre. No, not mediocre by any stretch of the imagination. And we got introduced by Cameron. Mm. And then that brought us to... (laughs) That brought us to Sweden. It did. Right? Where you first heard this song. Where I first heard this song, which is funny, growing up, although I probably had heard it before, but couldn't remember. Yeah. So, 2017? Sounds. Sweden? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Driving in a car, we really didn't know each other. Nope. And going to this event. So... I'm just going to let this play in the background a little bit until we get. To I love it. Get to the gist of the song, yeah. But uh, what? This is when you started wanting to in addition to your work with YFC mm-hmm. form something about equipping people to share the gospel yeah yeah totally so um, yeah so you and I rocked up to Awakening Europe
1: an awakening Europe event in Sweden um, so uh, with Ben Fitzgerald yeah. so <clears throat> I had been heavily influenced by like Bethel Church out in Reading and just because I'd seen like, real revival there right both in the church setting and then in a, a ghetto setting where we're have seen crazy miracles happening so build a bunch of connections and we're like okay like let's i i just always have believed like let's go after where revival's at because we we feel like this
0: right yeah it's right here <laughs> oh <To hell. laughs> Amen
1: <laughs> to hell with the devil. Come on, so uh, yeah, so Todd and I rock up to Sweden to this event, and um, and we witnessed there. Uh, there's about 35,000 people at that event, somewhere in there. Um, it just had gathered from all over Europe to Sweden and just to like a worship, hear the god, like. Um, see people come to Jesus at this stadium and then also be sent out from the stadium to go share the gospel and just blitz the city. So you and I were walking through a mall. Um, after they had released about 10,000 Christians who'd all been trained and equipped by, you know, Ben Fitz and um, Todd White and all these like, and all these like amazing men and women. And we were watching like believers everywhere in this mall, praying for people and like um, seeing miracles happen and just like going, this is possible. Like we could actually help raise up an army of people to share the gospel. And, um, So I still remember, like, we were just so moved and had these, like, just, it was like we both caught the heart of
0: God for this and just like, he's real. Well, truth be told, you you caught the the heart. I didn't even know what was happening to me (laughs) at the time, right? It was quite, quite an experience, but. Yes, which is worth
1: sharing that as Heidi Baker was sharing from the stage at Awakening, um, Todd, we were talking and all of a sudden Todd just went and like walked in and heard Heidi preaching and she was just on her knees. And the way the spirit was just so ministering to people, you couldn't talk. You were actually so hit by the spirit of God that you weren't able to talk without crying
0: for a, a number of hours. Yeah, it was precious. It was incredible an incredible tangible experience and encounter for sure. Yeah. Life, life changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, so no, you, yeah. you had already, before we had gone there, you had been talking to somebody. I'm not sure. I think it might've been Jen yep. about mm-hmm. sort of gathering a bunch of people together totally. to, to start this. What yeah. then essentially was the beginning of Disciple City. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, Jen and I, um, amazing woman, like we've been
1: long, time friends and um and so we'd been just talking about the idea of like equipping her volunteers in how to actually share the gospel and uh, and pray for people which was one of the things I was doing with Youth for Christ internationally at the time and so um she and I had kind of set this idea of like let's go after that let's design something just to give kind of an on ramp for people to start doing that as volunteers for Youth for Christ in Peterborough and um and then you and I were at this event and we're come back to Toronto we're driving back up the 115 to Peterborough and um also we just like it just hit us like the reason why in a Canadian context we're not seeing people come to Jesus we're not seeing like these these moves of the holy spirit was largely connected to that only a very small percentage of Canadians are actually sharing the gospel and if God, conf- we we also saw the conviction of God confirms His word with power, and the reason why we're not seeing God move in in like measureless ways because it's just so beautiful and big is because we're not preaching the gospel, like we're not actually taking it to people who were lost and i remember you and i just being moved by that reality and just starting to dream like let's see this happen in canada so then working with jen and like dave and amanda and, and Anne marie like a bunch of us kind of gathered together and we're like let's let's just start equipping people right so we started like wednesday night outreaches in peterborough and just started going out in the street and praying for people and all of a sudden we just started to catch something
0: hey yeah and like um interrupt me any any well days. you know what i okay. just like to think of the magnitude of people, I remember yeah. being, you driving. so I, I remember being close to the airport on the 427 or somewhere yeah. where there's like 18 lanes of traffic and skyscrapers yeah. and just the amount of people. Yeah. And just because I had such a tangible encounter over there, just yeah. wondering, like, l- look at these hundreds of thousands of people. Do they know him? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? crazy
1: yeah and it's like that's something that still i think moves both of us and our team like even just driving through a small city like peterborough i'm just like we'll drive down a a residential road with all these houses and i'm like do they know right when was the last time someone told them about jesus or did they hear the proclamation of his of his glory right um
0: yeah yeah so um as this as this started to I don't know necessarily grow, like growth, like a business type of thing, but, but as it started to grow, like in your heart with the passion to sort of, because all ministries are important in what they, in who yeah. they're reaching and stuff like that. But as this sort of started to grow in your heart, can you, uh like around 2019, there started to be a shift in your heart where you kind of more felt a, a need to sort of more focus on this? Yeah, totally. So I think what, i mean jen and i and um
1: like guy freeman um but a a bunch of other people like we started to realize that everything we'd done with disciple city like yourself as well we had done praise nights and outreaches and equipping and um all of it a lot of it was actually under youth for christ which has a very youth focused ministry and we are starting to train and provide resourcing for churches that weren't that wasn't just necessarily youth focused and so um there was kind of that with that piece of like, we want to serve more people, the wider body of Christ with what, with which we discovered in equipping people to share the gospel. And we realized that a lot of us were doing it as a volunteer piece, just throwing time and resources at it as we could. And we needed to actually provide staffing for it to actually take it to the next level and actually build it into its own entity. So through all that um, kind of 2019, we decided to, um, launch Disciple City as its own ministry initiative, right? Where we could start serving and just building it ourselves. And um, yeah, so that, I was like that kind of opportunity th- for those couple of reasons, Melissa and I were like, yeah, it's, it's time to resign from YFC from about after about 15 years of ministry with them and go, let's, let's go after this. Right. And just, again, live by faith. We were like, we don't even know if we're going to have full funding to actually do this, but God's done it before. Let's do it again. Right. And just the, the mission of like seeing believers churches equipped to share the gospel was so needed that we're like, Let, it's worth the risk. Right. Um, yeah. So that was 2019 beginning of 2020. We actually launched it. So that
0: must have been a, uh, a trying time, although by the smile of your face, <laughs> uh, the smile on your face of, of trusting in the Lord, because to go to transition from a known yep. uh, Christian organization to, to then branch off to something unknown by name, mm-hmm. per se, to, yep. be, to be able to be sponsored yeah, you know you're 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 taking a risk there so mm. to talk about that a little bit or did you just trust in the lord or or was there some i mean that was a lot of prayer and was there any times of uncertainty for you guys or the enemy maybe oh yeah all of that 100 percent. um i think
1: the i th- like the vision of it and um our kind of our credentials with you for Christ and experience there really had prepared us to step into this and like, man, you for Christ blessed us and really helped us launch it well. So that was like, we had their blessing, right? And then we have uh, amazing Selwyn Outreach Center who's, who's been able to act as the covering for it um, even to this day. So um, that like we had good support around us that helped and, and who actually saw the vision of it. And we're seeing the fruit of people being transformed, right? So we were able to step out confidently, both in the Lord and our community. Um, if we didn't have those things, I think it would have been much, much harder. But there were certainly times where we were just like, okay. I think the biggest fear we had um, was just around like, we're going to build this. And this is like, this is new. And so it wasn't just, um, you know, the assault and the the doubts of the enemy, but just like, can we trust God's voice that he has called us to lead into this, right? And so you're not just trusting the Lord, but trusting the Lord in you, leading you and going, okay, we're capable. Um, So that was a huge piece. So yeah, there was, there was a couple sleepless nights in there. Um, I think the biggest thing I realized is as soon as we started hiring staff, it was like, wow, people are, are, hitching their wagon to this and that like, this isn't just a, you know, flash in the pan couple year initiative. This is people's livelihoods um, because they all see this vision of disciples being sent and equipped to share the gospel. And it's worth someone actually stepping in at a staff level, putting their whole future on the line of this thing. And that was a big piece of like, whoa, just the weight of it.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is cool, which speaks to um, people's experiences or this becoming real to them. Mm-hmm. So much like yeah. how you've shared, yeah. which is what we want to capture right in this, yeah. in this podcast. hundred percent. Of talking to these, of, of all different kinds of people, of people who, Staffers of Disciple City or other ministries yeah. who have caught this vision yeah. and what led them to that yeah. and and it's interesting to me how we like it's almost like we're we're all nice people but selfish by nature if you will in in a way with selfish in a nice way <laughs> right <laughs> but you you have this you have some kind of encounter some kind of tangible experience and it just becomes outwardly yeah and you just want to share it hundred percent. Um yeah so uh you know what what about what about family like your your kids and how ministry and family with you so you've yeah. done I know you've done a lot of traveling and yeah. stuff so how how has this been with your kids of living Um, for those that don't know of how much you traveled with YFC international, how has that been Mm -hmm. with your kids with you? Either, I know a lot of times you took them, but Mm -hmm. of times that you were gone and stuff like that. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so
1: I remember hearing like a pastor say that like, if you're, if you're called to no matter what you're called to do, there's going to be a cost to it. So whether you're a firefighter and you're away for 48 hours of the week, right. Or, um, or you're like traveling the world as a missionary, whatever, there's going to be a cost on your family. Um, So if God has called you to it, then there's also going to be benefits to that. So this pastor, he just said like, you need to let the benefits benefit your family. Right. So if you're traveling the world, so for Melissa and I, we're like, if we're going to travel the world, let's make sure that includes our kids. Like let's let them see, even if it's extra money out of our pockets and stuff, if we're seeing God move somewhere and do something beautiful, let's make sure we expose our kids to it as well. So they see not just the cost of like me being away in another country. Um, and sometimes hectic countries where like, there would be real safety concerns of me getting home. Um, but actually, for them to see not just the cost of it, but the like the benefit and the joy and the and the blessing of it, right? So we, you know, we had the opportunity to take our kids to different countries where they just. Um, I just remember the first time, my uh, my middle boy Cademan, saw his first miracle, right? Like I just remember him going, "God spoke to me." I actually, got a word of knowledge. We were in Australia, Jesus School, and um, they like they had this beautiful kids program, and they were praying, and, and as they were praying as kids. The Holy Spirit just whispered to Cademan about this this healing that he wanted to do in the room. So Cademan heard by the Spirit of God and prayed for this other child who got healed. And so he rocks out of the kids program and he's like, Dad, Dad, I heard, I heard from God. And so I was like, oh, Amazing, right? So it's like all of that um, has really transformed the way we do family, trying to expose our kids to the blessing and not just the cost. Right. So that's what Melissa and I have really tried to keep close. Um, so yeah, even today, um, on a local level and as, as we start to build Disciple City into its, uh, to a fuller capacity, we're trying to see our kids and all of our staff kids experience that. So in any way we, we can, we're like, you know, cause your kids are there too, right? We're seeing our kids help participate in baptisms and pray for people after they've come out of the tank, right? And, um, make sure our kids get like a front row seat
0: into what God is doing. Yeah. The yeah. realism, the truth of it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I I have heaps of other things to talk to you about, but, you know, as the director of Disciple City, <laughs> you may have to come on the show again to dig into some deeper stuff. However, sure. but, but first man, can you uh, like share, share a testimony or two or yeah, share a testimony or two, and then I kind of have a final question sure. for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if if it helps bring clarity, like only you know, th- there's estimated only two to ten percent of North American Canadian Christians have shared the gospel once in the last six months, right? And so the whole reason why discipleship exists is to mobilize the Christian church into the the Great Commission. We actually have a ten year goal that we want to see the Canadian culture, like the Christian culture in Canada change and be reengaged with mission, um, and actually fulfilling the great commission and, and seeing Jesus get the reward of his suffering. Right. So I remember that as a testimony, I remember like one of the most moving things I've seen was, um, being downtown Peterborough with, uh, Anne Marie and with Jen. And we were just early days sharing the gospel out in the streets. And so this is probably four or five years ago. And, um, I remember going into this chocolate shop and and meeting this young girl named Samantha. Who um, Anne Marie was like, "Hey, do you know what your name means?" And she was like, "Such a great story, right?" And she's like, "No, no." And, and Anne Marie was like, "Well, it's actually like the female version of the name Samuel." And Samuel is this like guy in the Bible who had a really close. Connection with God and heard God really well, and as she started mentioning the Bible and God, this young girl started to cry. And Anne Marie, being like a sweetheart, was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you cry." She's like, "No, like this is good. I've actually been praying alone in my apartment. I'm not. I don't know who God is, but I I know there has to be someone out there. So I've been praying and asking." for whoever God is to reveal themselves to me. And as she's been praying, she actually started to experience his presence. And then when Anne-Marie started mentioning God, like Jesus, she started to experience that same presence mm-hmm. right there in a chocolate shop in Peterborough. And in that moment we realized that God is actually at the doors of people's hearts, knocking and wanting them to invite him in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I just remember that was a marking day for me because I just realized that he's actually he's out, like God is a missionary, right? And in so doing, he's made us to be missionaries because we're born again in His image. It's actually the most natural thing for a Christian to share their faith because they're born again into the image of God, who is redeeming what is lost and broken. Right. So, um, I mean, since then we've, we've literally seen, I can't even imagine how many miracles we've seen just a couple days ago. We saw a lady, um, a beautiful lady actually healed. She doesn't need her walker anymore. Amen. Like Chris uh, Blackwood and I laid hands on her and just on her knee and she got instantly healed, was walking around and, and amazed. Like, I don't, I don't need a walker. And, um, since like, even just this year, we've seen our teams have seen, um, About 70 people come to faith and get baptized and connected and discover family, like the family of God. And um, it's, it's just been like incredible. And it's based on basically the equipping of a believer to share the gospel. And all of a sudden faith comes, truth comes, and they start to move with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we start to see the fruit. That we were seeing in the book of Acts, right? And we're praying for more, and that we would just see a, an incredible move of God in Canada. But um, it's it's hinged on this one thing: is that when a believer acts obediently to share the gospel, they experience the power of it, and that often is miracles, salvations, baptisms. But we're seeing slowly a city be reached mm. and transformed based off obedience
0: awesome yeah that's awesome um this has been fun man i think we should we're, we, we should probably just wrap it up oh we've right? talked. i've talked a lot yeah which is good that's what the show is about <laughs> it's about other people not me oh, right? oh bro so um i just want to ask you like um kind of i don't know if you can sort of sum this up but i'm curious to know what gives you the most joy in ministry in this in this whole thing of, of you, what gives you the most joy in witnessing of what God's doing? And at the same time, for people who might be listening, who hear about miracles and stuff, and that seems really offside, hmm. what, what gives you the most joy in ministry and knowing that these things are real? Um, I think the,
1: the thing that gives me the most joy is, is seeing Jesus. Hey. And I, and I'm not saying that as like a Christian or or oversimplified answer. Like, um, one of the reasons I'm passionate about the miraculous and going after seeing his power evident is because we actually, um, like Jesus says this about himself. Like, um, it's in the gospel. John, he says, like, if I don't do the works of the, of the father, don't believe me. Right. And so there's actually a biblical qualifier, like the miraculous, the supernatural kingdom of God invading and impacting earth is actually like, it's meant for every believer. And, um, and in so doing when we're seeing God heal this, like this girl who now walks without a walker or, or the hundreds of other miracle stories we've seen in deliverances and beautiful things. um, We're actually catching a glimpse of who he is, right? Like, it's like you, you see someone healed or set free or whatever, and you're reaching through that miracle and you're like, it's actually him. And I just like, like it's, it's that it's the whole reason why we are putting our, our hearts towards this thing is because like, if we catch a a vision of him, um, like in the, in the salvation of a soul, the forgiveness of sin, the miracle of a healing, the deliverance of, of um, you know, demonic affliction um, in that lies, the strategy of heaven to change an entire city and an entire nation I think it would just be the, my again, the joy I would experience. Like, if God can invade a human heart lost in sin and darkness, remove sin and darkness, and give his light there, then he can do that in an entire nation.
0: Wow, man. That's got me choked up. It's a good <laughs> job we're not filming this episode. <laughs> wow, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. Mm. Appreciate it. Appreciate your story. would like to have you back again, because like I said, I had a bunch of other questions to ask you about some of your experiences and world travels and the different things that you've seen in this same vein around the world. So uh, we'll have you back again, man. Love you. Thanks, bro. And thank you for listening to the podcast on behalf of Disciple of City. Really hope this has inspired you. You can check us out at DiscipleOfCity.ca. We're on the Facebox. We're on the Gram. Just want to encourage you to share the gospel. And if you're curious at all, just please reach out to us. And we'd love to chat with you. We'll see you next time.